When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to Chris Allen and everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, October 23rd, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline 3.0 with a bit of a hoarse voice, I'm Sarah Lane. And from the French enclave in the Finnish countryside, I'm Patrick Beja. I'm somewhere on the edge of L.A. I'm the producer, Roger. And you're not <laughs> a bird. It sounds like Roger isn't sure where he is. I, I, you know what? I got three and a half hours of sleep, so I'm not really sure where I'm at. Listen, <laughs> not all of Sarah's voice made it in the move. It'll show up. Roger will get some sleep eventually. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine because Patrick Beja has an excellent topic for us to discuss later in the show. I'm very excited about this. The pressure. The pressure. It's not pressure. No, it's good stuff. However... We must start with a few tech things you should know. The Verge reports that Apple is planning to fix BeautyGate, as it's known, in iOS 12.2. Selfies taken in the 10s and 10R models are applying a skin smoothing effect. Not everybody likes that. Apple told the, Ver- told the Verge it'll pick a sharper base frame for smart HDR. Probably not a bad idea. It's not just on faces, but yeah, it affects faces. Meanwhile, Google says it will fix an issue that caused some photos taken on Pixel 3s to not save at all. The bug, which also affected a few other Android phones, caused the camera app to shut down after a picture was taken, but before the saved picture could be the the saved picture could be completed. Until the fix is out, users are advised to not take pictures, no, to leave the camera app open until HER processing completes. Motorola is selling official repair kits for its phones in partnership with iFixit. iFixit sells kits to repair pretty much anything, but usually in spite of a manufacturer's opinion, not with its cooperation. Motorola, however, is sourcing parts to iFixit for eight repair kits, For the Moto Z, X, Droid Turbo 2, Z Play, G5, Z Force, X Pure, and G4 Plus. And most of the kits focus on replacing the battery or the screen. And Misfit announced the Vapor 2 watch available soon for $250 more than the first Vapor. But for the extra $50, you get NFC support, standalone GPS, and two more pixels per inch for a total of $32. Uh, 328 it's also available in two sizes now not just one 41 millimeters or 46 
we've got a new phone from HTC. Tell us about it, Patrick. Very special phone indeed. HTC announced specs for the 6-inch Exodus 1 and put it up for pre-orders. The Exodus includes a wallet secured away from Android meant to store uh, to store keys to cryptocurrency. It also includes a key recovery system if your phone is lost or stolen where HTC sends info to friends which you can then combine. The phone sells for 0.15 bitcoins or 4.78 ether coin. Are they called ether coins? Ether, yeah. You can, I, think ether. That's, uh, I think that's appropriate. Ethereum, isn't it? Ethereum, <laughs> Ethereum is the platform. Yeah. You got, I think you can do yeah. that too. Yeah. Just under a thousand bucks for shipping in December to 34 countries. To, though not in China, which has strict regulations on on cryptocurrencies. Two things here. Risk One is, um, so HTC has a copy of your key, it sounds like. I would like to know more about that. Right, because, because then they, what would it be sending to people I know they're you know. splitting it up when they send it to your friends, so your friends don't get a complete copy, and it has to go to people you authorize and trust. I get that. Also, they're calling it a blockchain phone. I'm trying to be really good about not using blockchain inappropriately. This isn't a blockchain phone. It just stores your tokens in a secure wallet, which is cool, except for that part where HTC might have a copy of your key. Not as cool. But yeah, I, mean, I guess it just depends on how much you would trust a company. And I think, you know, most of this well, panel would probably say not enough. The whole point of a secure wallet and a secure key is, uh, especially with cryptocurrency, is I am the only one who can get into my wallet. And so storing it in the cloud with the HTC kind of subverts the the general expectation. Yeah, at the very least, we would need to know more about how they're... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Storing this at the very, very least, because essentially, there, and I like. Yeah. 
I was, gonna, okay. I was just going to say there may be a way that they're splitting it up and storing it uh, encrypted that only you can recover, in which case you would need a key. So I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, need- I also think it's cute that they're selling it for Bitcoin and, uh, Ether, and Ethereum. And yeah. it's, it's really like, yeah, this feels like a gimmick. But, you know, if this is indeed the design of the phone, then it should be interesting to people who have these uh, uh, cryptocurrency coins. So, sure, yeah. Let's move on to something else that's cute, and that's teenagers, depending on the teen, obviously. Piper Jeffries' 36th semi-annual Taking Stock with Teens survey shows Instagram is the most popular social network among teens, with 85% using it at least once a month, just edging out Snapchat, which came in at 84%. Twitter was third at 47%, Facebook fourth at 36%. Snapchat, though, is still listed as the favorite among teens by 46% of them compared to 32% for Instagram, kind of interesting. Amazon is the favorite upper income teen website at 47%. Nike second at just 5%. Teens spend 38% of their daily video consumption on Netflix with YouTube second at 33% and cable and satellite TV at 16%. So teens are not that into cable anymore. 83% of respondents anticipate buying a current gen console or they already own one compared to 80% in the spring of 2018. Yeah. A few things in here, bucking the trend. First of all, uh, the idea that there was any teen that liked cable on TV or satellite kind of surprised me, although it, you're right. It is really low. Uh, Netflix outperforming YouTube. I think some people might might find that surprising. And uh, the idea that console ownership desire rising when a lot of people, you know, we've talked about before the the conventional wisdom is like, well, consoles aren't going to be around forever. It's a declining uh, area, whereas this, the least with teens, they're like, no, actually, we're we're way into consoles these days. Yeah, on the console aspect specifically, I think the uh, wisdom among tech journalists is, well, everyone does everything on phones. So who needs consoles? And obviously that was proven wrong with the current generation. And consoles going away, meaning the physical device might go away, but not the kind of needs, gaming needs they address. So that's definitely something different. I think it's really interesting that um, Instagram is passing Snapchat even just a little bit because it used to be that Snapchat was king not so long ago. But the most interesting one is Amazon being the favorite upper income. So it's qualified, but uh, favorite website at 47% with Nike being second. I'm pretty sure this is just looking at shopping websites, not, you know, right. Not probably not hanging out on Nike's website. Very often. Yeah. Even, even so you know, it shows the the, yeah. the dominance of amazon in shopping it's kind of staggering i think because i mean we all know amazon is big but 47 to 5 there's something that i mean if i put my dirty socialist hat on it's starting to look <laughs> dicey <laughs> It's also interesting to me, and you know, with every year that passes, I get further away from understanding teenagers, but that Snapchat is still so popular among teenagers because with, you know, there was a time where I was pretty into it. I was definitely active on it every day, at least watching um, other snaps, even if I wasn't participating. And everybody who was kind of in that with me, who was more or less in my age group, has just stopped. Yeah. No, so, I mean, so the adults kind of got in there and wanted to be cool and then we got tired of it, but the teenagers have not. Reminds me of when I was a teen and I was way into jam boxes and the Walkman. 
Uh, Patrick Kennedy, a consultant for large hardware and storage vendors, has been running a, a website called servethehome.com, a server-oriented blog since 2009. That's important to know because this is a guy who is generally respected, well-known, and knows what he's talking about in that space. He has a breakdown of why the hardware attack on Supermicro, as described by Bloomberg, is difficult for him to believe. Bloomberg said the chip used the base management controller, or BMC, to enable telling the device, these are the Bloomberg words, telling the device to communicate with one of several anonymous computers elsewhere on the internet that were loaded with more complex code. So we all think, oh, okay, so it's it's like Trojan horse, right? Kennedy says that BMCs are generally segregated from the rest of servers in a network through a firewall, certainly That practice is followed by sophisticated companies like Apple and Amazon, making the attack described by Bloomberg, in Kennedy's opinion, impossible. Standard industry practice would guard against that attack vector. Bloomberg also claimed that the compromised BMC was capable of, again, a quote, giving them access to the most sensitive code, even on machines that have crashed or are turned off. Kennedy also notes that sensitive data is stored in the main server complex, not the BMC. Kennedy writes... Encrypted sensitive code pushed from network storage is not accessible, and a BMC would not authenticate if it tried to access it. So again, this part of the described hack, impossible, in Kennedy's opinion. He goes on to talk about other allegations being implausible, including some language confusion over the CPU versus the BMC, a chip size that implies some pretty advanced lithography techniques that he explains Chinese companies didn't have in 2014 when these were supposedly constructed. So they would have had to go outside of China to get the designs, which doesn't seem to have happened. Also, he is among the many who have pointed out that the software attack would achieve the same results and be much easier than having to design this sophisticated piece of hardware and then uh, put it in the supply chain without being detected. And of course, the, the general opinion that if such a chip existed, why haven't we seen even one picture of it, if not an example of it, if it was out in the wild? So... Best breakdown of this that I have read so far. Highly recommend uh, reading it. We'll include a link to the show notes, or you can just go check it out at servethehome.com. But it is bringing me to the opinion that Bloomberg is mistaken, that they are misunderstanding things, and their sources either are trying to dis- trying to disabuse them of this notion, but Bloomberg's not listening. A couple of the named sources have pretty much said as much. Or they are intentionally trying to seed confusion for some other purpose uh, in, in, in some way, uh, which I know seems really unlikely, but pretty much every angle on this story seems unlikely. I think there's still the possibility that Bloomberg is looking at this through a very partial lens, and so they're not understanding it correctly mm-hmm. or entirely right um that there's you know, some as, third explanation that shows why bloomberg thinks this happened but why everyone else thinks it doesn't that's yeah exactly it's, it's possible it's it's kind of it's kind of like you know uh, we talked about it in the prism uh, issue but you know when you look at a a, a, co- a, a, a can of coke uh in 2d if you take a slice it can look like a, a rectangle. It can look like a circle. It can look like many different things. So if you only have this, you're going to describe something that doesn't make sense and you don't have the full picture. I think it might be something like that. It might also be, you know, Bloomberg completely having, as unlikely as it is, it's possible that Bloomberg just completely messed up here. Um, yeah. 
I mean, the, the the confusion that Kennedy points out between BMC, what a BMC can do, and, and them using the phrase CPU in the Bloomberg article sort of points out that there is some technical confusion, that either Bloomberg is dumbing things down for the general audience uh, or doesn't understand exactly what's going on here in such a way that it still passes editorial review. I think it's also been pointed out a few times that the story uh, at Bloomberg is light on technical details. Um, so I'm not exactly sure we should take it as light as it is and as dumbed down as it is and try to understand the very precise technicalities of what they're describing. Because clearly it's been, um, you know, simplified for people to understand. That being said, there are other issues as well that kind of put it in question the biggest one of all being well by now we should have seen one of those motherboards yeah if, if it really existed it seems unlikely that not a single example would be found even if the other ex- explanation with jack whitaker has put forth the fact you know the, the idea that th- this did happen but the people who know about it aren't allowed to tell anyone you'd think you'd think a picture would have yeah out. exactly or or you know if there are thousands of them it's unlikely that you know, the authorities would have gotten to all of them. Yep. All right. Let's move on and talk about fantastic things that everyone's going to be happy about uh, at Mozilla, right? Um, Mozilla announced a partnership with Proton VPN to sell its services to Firefox users. Starting Wednesday, October 25th, Mozilla will show a small number of users of US Firefox uh, 62 users an ad to purchase monthly VPN from ProtonVPN for 10 bucks, Mozilla will evaluate the success of this test before expanding it globally. Mozilla will keep a cut of the proceeds. So ads in your browser? That's great. Well, it would be up in the right-hand corner. Proton Mail Makers, Proton VPN. They are a well-respected security company. Uh, so they picked a good one. Uh, Mozilla vetted them. And the idea is to say, we need to fund Mozilla. We'd like to try to fund it in ways other than selling search or or doing general ads. What if we offer you VPN? And they would only show this to you when you're on an unsecured Wi-Fi network, which you know is, is an interesting way of doing it too. I mean, I think the question for a lot of people is, is that $10 price point the right one? Yeah, and that's the same price that Proton Proton VPN sells if you don't go through Mozilla. So, you know, whether it's the right one or not, it, it, it isn't a, an increased price from what you would normally get from that company. I think it's, it's a good partnership. I think there are still going to be people who are unhappy about anything like this, but also, you know, at some point someone has to make money in this thing or it's not going to keep hap- uh, uh, being developed. So, yeah. And they'd like to reduce their dependence on Google. I get that. Which, yeah. Let's move on to 5G because it's happening. 5G wireless service for home and mobile devices definitely on the horizon. Lots of company announcements of upcoming um, uh, phones and devices, at least. CNET has a good breakdown of what 5G-capable devices have been announced so far. Samsung is working on a 5G phone that would be in addition, Samsung says, to the Galaxy S10, so possibly the S10+. Plus. That's a popular rumor going around. 5G networks are expected to launch in Korea in March. LG confirmed its first uh, will launch on Sprint the first half of 2019. So 
somewhere before summer, I guess. Lenovo has a 5G mod coming next year for the Moto G, uh, Z3. Rather, A 5G phone will follow, the company says. Huawei will release its Kirin 5G modem in March and then says a 5G phone will be ready by the end of June of next year. OnePlus believes it'll also be one of the first to launch a 5G phone in 2019. Everybody wants to do this next year. And ZTE now says late 2019 for its 5G phone. And Nokia has partnered with T-Mobile for 5G phones expected next year as well. So, yeah, we're getting these phones. They're coming next year. The service is generally coming in most parts of the world uh, that are going to get it uh, soon next year. Uh, So by the end of next year, we'll be talking about uh, whether 5G service is worth paying for yet. And if so, what 5G phone would you like? And when will the Pixel and the iPhone come out with their 5G versions? I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm not sure we're going to need it next year or we're even, no, that's okay. That's definitely. Someone out there will need it. Well, Well, quote unquote need it. Um, But I think 4G is fine for most people today. Um, I think 5G is exciting, but beyond next year, because this is not a situation where you absolutely need this kind of service to catch up to the uses we already have. Uh, This is a service that will maybe create different kinds of uses that can wait a little bit. When we went from 3G to 4G, we were hoping to get the kind of speeds that we were already getting at home and being used to in the wild. This 5G, sure, it's going to be faster. And some people will say, oh, you haven't tried my 4G. It sucks. I can't wait for 5G. Sure. But in general, um, the the standard is not, I think, as needed uh, as it was when we did the previous switch. Mm, Let's see how you feel about that once 5G service is out. No, but that's the point. Once Mm -hmm. it's out... Mm It's going to be exciting, but not needed. Anyway, the point is, uh, those of you who keep saying, call me when it's real, we'll be calling you next year. To get all the tech (laughs) headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. All right, Patrick brought up an interesting topic for conversation today uh, to finish up our show. It's not necessarily, do you need a PC anymore, but are we in this post-PC world? Patrick, tell us what you're thinking. Yeah, so, you know, it, it... struck me um we're gonna get another announcement about uh, an ipad an ipad pro pretty soon in a, in a few days uh and it's not like the ipad has i i don't think we i think we can say tablets haven't lit the world on fire uh they're here they're around no, there that are was also the note. other <laughs> that was yes very <laughs> appropriate comment um but there are other types of devices as well. Uh, the first iPad was released, I believe, in 2010, uh, early in the year. So it's been a, a little while. And, of course, the post-PC world is what uh, Steve Jobs, the great prophet, uh, was pronouncing was we were entering with his marveled product. Uh, it's been about eight years, a little bit more. I wonder where we stand. Have we entered a post-PC world? I think PCs are still... Uh, around, but um, Sarah, I, yeah. I see you are you are ready to speak up. And uh, what do you think? Are we in a post PC world? Well, I mean, we certainly are not because 
people use PCs every day. People are still buying them. Yes, the market has slowed and it has changed, but you know, there's plenty of PCs out there. It's, so no, we're not in a post-PC world. However, I do remember, you know, you mentioned when the iPad first came out and there were all those think pieces about like, can this replace my PC? I tried only using my iPad for a week. And then we got some pretty nice uh, keyboard extensions, right? Some some hardware that now this is particularly with the iPad Pro and 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 uh, Surface Pro and and more sort of pro yeah there's a lot of hybrids as well yeah yeah but but I do hear more and more of someone saying oh yeah when I go on you know a work trip or whatever it's plenty fine it's nice and light and I like the form factor and and versatility and 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 that sort of stuff so I do think that the need for PCs to do things has waned a lot um, I also have friends who don't have computers or maybe they do, but it's like at home and, you know, half the time it's like, can you just text this to me, Sarah? I don't even want to, um, I actually had a friend the other day say, can you just text this to me? I I don't want to open up my email. And I was like, but you have an email app on your phone. You know, it's just, it's a different way of thinking um, for a lot of folks. That's super interesting. Yeah. Because see, uh, I think a lot of people understand the post PC world as PCs disappear. Uh, I don't think that's really what it means. The post PC world to me means the post PC only world, meaning the PC is not the only way you access information. And it's maybe not even for some people, the main way you access information. Yeah. The, the, the post PC necessity. In other words, you can do everything just fine without a PC. You might choose a PC because it's the best tool for the job still. So it's not gone. But it's not a requirement. But I think there's a difference even in that. Because for people like us, and and I'm sure most of our audience, we're thinking, well, I still need the PC for many, many things. And to me, it's an essential tool. Um, And PC, you know, PC, Mac, Linux, whatever. Um, But for someone like your friend, Sarah, that you were referencing, I think there's more truth to that statement of being in a post-PC world because for her, the PC is almost cumbersome. It's not that she can do most of the things that she can on the PC on her uh, smartphone because we all know that we can do most of those, but sometimes we'll think, well, we need the PC for to make it more convenient. But for her, she'd rather not use the PC. Right. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think if you spent less time getting to know, you know, Windows operating system, as many of us did, like, I mean, I never even had a Mac until, you know, some time ago, but, but if you, if you've spent less time putting a lot of effort into knowing how all this stuff works right now, it's a harder sell. Even if you say, well, if you're trying to do some video editing and you're really good at it, the PC is still going to be the most robust machine. Well, but then you've got, you're kind of working with this structure and this this kind of the, this ecosystem and syntax that that you didn't like really in the first place, or where you where you didn't know how to use necessarily, or you didn't have a lot of access to. Uh, I think that I'm sitting here trying to think of one reason that I would have to use a PC to do this show, for example, to edit video, which I do for a lot of other things and, you know, stuff that, that I consider, um, you know, it's, there is a bit of a learning curve. And honestly, I could do all of this without a PC. 
I, I prefer not to because yeah. I'm just comfortable <laughs> in my ways, but yeah. I don't need it. Also, that's I, important I, too. You I prefer wanna, not to. I, I want to define post PC as including laptops and especially two in ones. Right. In other words, it's not just PC as in Windows operating system or Mac OS or whatever. It's right. I don't need a desktop. I don't need a big tower. Well, uh, because the reason I say that is, yes, in the in the in the early 2000s, it was, well, a laptop is really just a portable desktop. That's not true anymore. Now you've got all these form factors that, yeah, you can still get desktop replacement laptops, but they slowly bleed into tablet land. And I I think that's an indication of the idea of desktop, laptop, tablet distinctions are starting to blur into there's a device that is powerful enough and has the form factor you need to do what you want but it doesn't have to fall into one of these categories. I mean, if we See, wanted I to define post PC as post desktop, then I think we're well in the yes, post desktop exactly. world. And that's my problem with this statement uh, that you made, Tom, because to me, a Surface is still a PC. The PC is the complex well, operating then system an iPad's a PC. as opposed to... No, because the iPad has a more simple operating system, just like the phone. Not really. Because if you go it that has route, a simpler interface... Yes, it's of course. A, okay, simpler interface. But that's but where I'm talking about these lines are blurring. I don't think they are. You have complex interfaces, PCs, etc., and simpler interfaces, which, by the way, we don't really have time to discuss it too much. But first of all, smartphones are where people are going even more than tablets. And we might want to include smart speakers in that post-PC world. Yeah, right? I guess the what I'm trying to, to say is the distinction is what's disappearing. That's what means post-PC. Like it's now about which tool is right for the job, not about how do you define a PC? It's also, Possibly. and then, yeah, we could go on forever, but it's also, you know, there's, there's an aesthetic quality to it. I don't have a big tower anymore because I have a small desk and I like smaller things mm. that do what I need to do. And you mentioned audio, Patrick, it, I just got rid of my speakers that I love because they're just big and they're mm. too big for me now. And I can do so much more with just smaller things that take up less space. Now, if you have a lot of space, then that's a little bit different. <laughs> but I, I think a lot of people are trying to simplify with with uh, machines mm. that are just they're smaller and and smarter than ever. I, I look at my desk and I'm not trying to simplify, uh, but yeah, we're special. So, okay, Sarah, Tom, and, and maybe even Roger, are we in a post-PC world? Yes. Sarah, yes or no? Yes. Tom? Yes. Roger? Uh, we're on the cusp. Okay. I'd say maybe as well and take a complete cheat totally. So two yeses. We by by virtue of the uh, popular vote, we are in the post PC world. Thank you very much. Um, good work, everybody. It's settled. Thanks, everybody who participates in our subreddit. You also settle things for us, especially the stories we're going to add to our shows. You can submit your own stories and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. All right, let's check out the mailbag. What, what do we got in there today? Well, we've got a great uh, response to a conversation that you had yesterday that I unfortunately missed with Justin Robert Young, Yarun Malaysia. Had thoughts on yesterday's Amico discussion and there being room for smaller indie games and whether or not that was really happening. Yaro writes, this market not only exists, but is actually being served specifically. There are indie games or plenty of them in most of the mainstream platforms, whether it be the Switch or the PS4, or the Xbox One or the PC. These games are not only cheaper and simpler but aren't as buggy sometimes, generally, than the bigger AAA games. 
They also tend to be in 2D and have simpler assets in order to be cheaper to make. The real undeserved, underserved market, in my opinion, is mid-range markets. Games that are not AAA, but also not simple indie flares. There's a Japanese developer that continues to publish this level of games. But I feel like the market is just way too divided in those very top and the very bottom. Hmm. If only there were Oof. a podcast devoted to people who just want those <laughs> mid-range and games. Huh. I, I could talk about this for 15 hours. We don't have time. I disagree with you, Yaru. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. One of the main issues of this Amico console is that all of the games would be exclusive to it. And that will be its death if it comes out like this, because you can't develop a game exclusively to a console that doesn't have an installed base yet. Save it for MVGB, Patrick. If- you are limited to certain prices. <laughs> Save it. Yes. But also, I'll, thank you uh, for, for teasing. I'm trying to set up Patrick to talk about monthly video games briefing, and he's not well, taking the bait. What, what is sure to be a lively episode coming up. If you're interested in having more information about all of this and our opinions of mine and Scott Johnson's, what are you doing still fiddling around with your phone? Just go to your podcast app and subscribe to the monthly video game briefing. You get one show a month and it is an easy to understand uh, summary of the important stuff that's happened in the video game industry, especially if you're interested, but you don't need all the details and all of the uh, minutia of each game. You need to know what matters, what's important for your children or your your friends who are into these things but not 15 hours per week that's the show for you monthly video game briefing i'm gonna say that next time stop fiddling with your phone and subscribe to my podcast yeah stop (laughs) fiddling with your phone and check out patreon uh patrons should know that we have a special threat wire cross post up from shannon morse in both text and audio discussing the changes in tls support in browsers. You can check that out at any Patreon level at patreon.com slash DTNS. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com and thanks to everybody who gives us feedback every day. We're also live Monday through Friday and thanks to everybody who watches 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Check it out and find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Scott Johnson. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. 
Visit ebay.com for terms.